Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. There we go. Good morning. It's my first time up here since these lights have been put in. and definitely are blinding. I cannot see half of you up here, which might be a good thing. No, I'm just kidding. It is great to see all of you. Yes, our children are dismissed for Children's Church. We're glad to have that going again. Um, if you are still interested in helping, please speak with Rachel Herman. We would love to still have more help with that as we continue to open up things. We need volunteers, people to serve, to fill into those those spots, those gaps, and to, to take that on um, as we continue to do things. Um, one of the things that Children's Church is typically the people who also serve in nursery, and some of those people serve in Awana, and some of those people serve down on the soundboard and the video. So the more people we have, the better, because we don't want them missing like two Sundays out of a month consistently uh, being back there. Even though they love to serve and do that, it'd be great to have more people to rotate through with that. So see Rachel um, if you're interested in that, or see me, and I'll direct you in the right direction. Uh, my name is Pastor David. If you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here and to see you. I'm the associate pastor. Um, it was not our plan for me to be up here today at all. Uh, pastor Aaron and his family were away at a state cross-country meet, and one of the other coaches that they were around a ton throughout the whole weekend uh, was not feeling well at all last night. Um, and so that coach will be going to get tested this morning and they just didn't want out of precaution. They wanted to stay home and, and not be around everybody. You know, Pastor Aaron, he can't help but come up and, and talk to you. So they felt that it was good to, to be at home, which I agree. So, uh, so last night, last evening, I got to call and, and here we are. We're going to keep going in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 16. If you want to flip there, it'll also be up on the screen. Um, Years ago, doing this last minute would have frightened me, still makes me a little nervous, but I think anytime you're preaching or teaching God's word, there should be a little bit of nerves, there should be a little bit of a fear in there, um, especially as you're handling God's word. I think that's a healthful thing to have. Um, but as the years go by, I've definitely learned to trust God when uh, circumstances like this come about. That's just, that's how it is. That's how God helps you grow in these circumstances. Um, as we continue in Acts chapter 16, it is immediately after Barnabas and Mark headed one way and Paul and Silas headed out another way. Um, in 16, Paul and Silas are at Derby and Lystra. Uh, and before we get into those verses and before we dig into this, let's go ahead and go to Lord in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. Thank you for uh, these beautiful days that we've had. Um, Lord, we give you praise for all things. And as we gather here, Lord, about to... To dig into your word, we give you thanks that we are able to do this, Lord, that we have the freedom to do this. And so we ask for your help, we ask for your guidance and your wisdom as we read through these five verses. Lord, please teach us and let them be your words and not mine. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Oh, I forgot to mention, yeah, Andrew pointed out the new carpet. It looks beautiful up here. And this Thursday, Friday... Sorry, I'm going out of track here. Thursday, Friday, one of those days is supposed to be the chairs. 
Um, we will find out most likely tomorrow which day that is. They have to work out the shipping and all that because it is a huge shipment. And because it is a huge shipment, anyone that is available during the day, either Thursday or Friday, we're trying to figure it out, please see me or Carlton because um, we could definitely use some help. If you know me, my back is not the best, but I will be there trying to lift chairs and trying to move them in here. So we're trying to get a system together. So again, more help with that if you are willing and able to. I know during the day is not the best for everyone, but if you're able to, that'd be great. That's the same thing for you streaming out there and streaming land. Um, also, if the stream goes down today, there's nothing I can do, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm up here. Um, so all right, back, back to Acts. Let's uh, read Acts 16, one through five. Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. Everybody saw it. I'm sorry. There's a fly on me. I'm, I'm going to mention the fly. You know, the fly. Anyways. Start over. Acts 16, 1 through 5. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So this section is small, but it has a lot in it. There's a lot of details that are in this part of Scripture that even lead towards other parts of Scripture. And we'll talk about some of those as well. Um, let's go back to 16.1, though. And we're going to start picking this apart. And then at the very end, I have some application for us that I believe we can take home from what we read here today. So the first part is, verse 1, Paul came, to, came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So we have mention of this guy, Timothy. He's not new to many of us. This is the same Timothy that Paul has written letters to. Um, there are specific details here, though. First of all, Timothy is a disciple, and I don't want to overlook what that is. A disciple is one who is a follower of, or student of a teacher. So in general, that, that's what it is. Oftentimes when we hear the word disciple, we automatically think Christian. Well, anyone can be a disciple of anyone. So a disciple is someone who is a follower or student of a teacher. But in this context, we do know he is a follower of Christ. And not only is he a follower of Christ, but others knew this about him as well. And we will see that in later verses, and, and we'll get on to that. It was not something he was hiding. It was who he was. So his name Timothy means honoring God. And Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Why? Why put those details in there? Why do we need to know that? I think it gives context for what we're reading and context for what Paul was about to ask him to do in some of the verses coming up. Um, Luke is pointing out that first and foremost, Timothy's mom was a believer. Timothy has had the influence of his mom and his grandma, as we will read elsewhere. Um, and that, and that plays a huge, huge part in his life growing up as a child. Um, 
As I said earlier, PA hit on this not long ago as well, where Timothy's mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois heard Paul and Barnabas two years earlier proclaim the gospel in Lystra and believed. It's amazing to see how God works in those situations because here we are and Timothy is trying to serve God as well. It's a, it's a privilege on our behalf to be able to see God set up what's going to happen and then also to see the fruit in his word. We're able to see the results of what God is doing. Um, January. This January will be 15 years for me here at West Hill. Um, one of my biggest joys in being, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. One of my biggest joys in being in ministry is seeing the fruit of, of not just what God has had me do in ministry, but what all of you have done in ministry. Over 15 years, I have been able to see God work through all of you and be able to see the results and the the, the good consequences, um, all the great things that God has done as, as children have grown up and are now part of ministry to see all sorts of different things where God is working in West Hill. Um, we talk about a privilege. That is a privilege to be in, in one spot for so long that you were able to see that cycle and to see God continue to work from, from something so long ago. Um, it's something that we should not forget. It's something that we should not uh, take advantage of, and we should definitely consider and constantly be praising God for as we continue to serve him and minister um, here at West Hill. Uh, these things definitely don't happen right away. That's one of the, the crazy things. Sometimes fruit comes way later. We get to enjoy that and praise God uh, and how he works over time. Luke also points out his mom was Jewish and his dad was Greek. Why does this matter? Uh, one commentary that, that I was reading talks about mixed marriages. And back then, the mother, if the mother was Jewish and the father was Greek, then according to the Old Testament law, it was a patrilinear principle. The child would be considered a Gentile. But according to the Mishnaic law, the matrilinear... Oh, man, I knew I was going to mess this up. Met, matrilinear, there we go, principle, the child would be Jewish. This was followed as early as the first century. This all matters because of the people God would have Timothy interact with. It's who God would have him meet up with and talk with and teach and guide and instruct. Uh, Timothy's been instructed in the scriptures since childhood. He would have gone to the synagogue and he would also have that Greek connection as well. As we will read, people knew that his father was a Greek. Moving into verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. This is something I say often to my kids. Actions speak louder than words. Yes, I knew you would know that. I say it a lot at home when I'm told, but dad, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I'll do this better. Then I'll say, okay, I know you can. I believe you can. But... Actions speak louder than words. I want you to show me that you can and that you'll do these things. So Timothy's actions have led to a good reputation with the other believers. The things he has been doing as he's grown up, how he is serving in ministry now, obviously has led to a good reputation. Paul, I'm sorry, moving into verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. 
for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So because Timothy was well spoken of, Paul wanted Timothy to come along with him, knowing that God would have used him in the area, whether it was teaching or sharing God's word, encouraging others. Um, Paul knew that God had a plan for Timothy, and he could see that. Uh, this verse also seems surprising given Paul's rejection in chapter 15 that we read not too long ago, that Gentile believers should, that uh, his rejection that Gentile believers should be circumcised. So Paul was against that. But here he is now asking Timothy to do the same thing. So why is that? Well, there are many who have argued why this is. I'm not going to get into all the arguments. Sometimes I think people try too hard when it's just plain and simple in God's word. Um, I think it goes along with what Paul has said over and over again. And in 1 Corinthians 9.20, he says, To the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not, my, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. So for whatever reason, I think, Timothy here is learning from Paul that there might be circumstances where it would be best that Timothy is circumcised here to better reach those around him. And Timothy is agreeing with Paul, and therefore they are going through with that. Um, again, what, how can I serve God the best that I can um, and share where God is leading me without compromising who God is and what his word says? And I think Timothy and Paul have that mindset that the method sometimes may change, but the message should never change. And that's one thing that we talk about a lot around here. Uh, not that we're constantly trying to change things, but the method may change, but the message should never change. Uh, we preach the word here, God's word. We preach that truth, and that will never change. Verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the council had reached some important decisions through all this. I mean, we've read a lot about that as Pastor Aaron has preached, and these needed to be passed along. Uh, they didn't have email. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have uh, a lot of that stuff, obviously, back then. So what do we do? Well, we send messengers out, and we pass these messages along. So these decisions were to be obeyed. So we have a group of authority, and they pass the message along as it was expected for them to obey them. One commentary points out that, the, that two of these decisions would have been Gentile Christians should not be circumcised and subjected to wholesale obedience to the Mosaic law, and Gentile believers should follow those stipulations of the law that applied to them, in particular regarding idolatry, sexual immorality, and the consumption of blood. Things that we talked about either last week or the week before. I'm, I don't remember for sure. Um, and then moving on into our last verse. Verse number five says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So here we see two different types of growth. There's an internal growth in faith, and then there's an, in, then there's an external growth in number. With Paul and his co-workers preaching and teaching, believers responded in their commitment to Jesus, and this also led to others coming to know Christ, which then in turn increased their numbers. 
It's also important to note that there was an increasing faith and numbers after conflict was resolved with the council laying out those rules that needed to be obeyed about circumcision and the other topics that were causing issues. So as they were going through things, there was obviously conflict. Once that conflict was resolved, there was a burst in growth spiritually and in numbers as well. Conflict is not good for the church. Will it happen? Yes, it happens. We are sinful people and we sin. <laughs> State the obvious. Conflict happens, but it should be resolved through Christ. We should not allow for it to stunt our growth and we should be able to work through it together. So then this brings about the question, does this mean we aren't doing things right because we may not be growing numerically or we may not be growing spiritually? Those are good questions to always ask and to always have in the back of your mind. I think we need to be careful on how we compare ourselves to the early church and to the other churches around us, to so those churches of those times. Uh, where God has you matters and the context matters as well. Should we be growing spiritually as a church? Yes, no doubt about it. We should always be striving to grow spiritually. We should always be working on our own relationship with Christ from the moment we accept him to the moment he calls us home. That is what sanctification is, to be made holy, to be set apart. As we grow spiritually then, individually, it should affect the church as a whole. And the church should grow in faith as well. Then that poses the question, should we be growing numerically? I think it's a good question to ask. I think we need to be careful with this though. While it's great to grow that way, and we love it when, when we do, I think that there are times, though, that it can take priority over the first growth. It should be a result of the first and only because it is what God wants. So numerical growth should be a result of spiritual growth and only when God wants it to happen. We live in a different time than the early church. There's many churches around here, which is awesome. I think it's great. There's many great churches around here preaching God's word, preaching the truth. And there's many options for people to go to in that regards. So we may grow slower. We may not grow for a time numerically. We should always be growing spiritually. And as a result of that, God may have us grow numerically as well. So what are we doing as a church then to provide growth in faith? Be thinking about that. What are we doing as a church to provide growth in faith? What are we doing as believers to encourage growth of other believers in their faith? I think that's the biggest one right now. What are you doing as a believer to encourage someone else to grow in their faith? During this, during this time where this virus is trying to separate us, again, we have the advantage of all these electronics, these easy, easy ways to communicate with other people. What are you doing to encourage and help others in their growth in faith in Christ? Are we focused on helping each other grow or are we focused 
so much on the numbers that we're missing all the amazing things that God is doing around us. We may not always grow numerically, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean we aren't growing. I see a lot of growth around this church as we strive to continue to teach our children and put an emphasis on that. We see the results of that over time. As we try to teach each other and to help each other grow, we see the results of that over time. I definitely see us being able to do that. And I see West Hill doing a great job of that. So as I move into application, I already hit some of it. My first question, I have three questions, and they're not going to be up on there. Are you a disciple of Christ? Because that one's first and foremost as we hit the rest of them. Are you a disciple of Christ? This is the most important question you could ask yourself and is the most important decision you could ever make. Asking God for forgiveness for your sin against him, believing that Jesus died on the cross and that he was buried and rose again three days later, trusting that he can change your life forever has eternal consequences in an amazing, amazing way that only he can provide. Romans 10, 9 through 10, his word says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I don't have to work for it, do I? I don't have to pay for it, do I? No. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified and it is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. It's simple, yet it's so hard for us. So are you a disciple of Christ? For those of you who do claim to be disciples of Christ and you are believers, this is my second question. Are you well spoken of? So think about that. Timothy was well spoken of. Are you well spoken of? <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying everyone has to or everyone will always like you. I know that. That's not a surprise. And don't also think that I'm saying you always have to please man. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you are serving God to the best of your ability and you are trying to please him and give him the glory that he deserves, then the fruit will follow that others will see in your life. And they will see that and they will speak well of you. Some still may not, but you will see a difference. Um, I go back to high school and my wife has the same story that as teens in high school, um, I was not perfect. You can ask the, the teens in youth group. I have told them many, many stories as examples. I was not a perfect teen by far, but I do remember one of the things I had control over was my mouth. Praise the Lord. In high school, teens would be using those bad words left and right because they thought it made themselves look cool. Uh, many of them knew that I chose not to do that. It, it just wasn't something I cared about. I would rather follow Christ in that way um, and grow in that way. Again, I wasn't perfect, but that was one area that I was able to grow. Um, and because of that, over time, as many of my friends would start using those bad words around me, many of them would stop and be like, oh, 
I'm sorry, David. I know you don't talk like that. And it's not like I asked for that. I didn't ask for them to not speak that way in front of me. I didn't push that on them. I wasn't trying to force them to do something that I was doing. But it came across to them that that's something I chose not to do, and they knew why. Um, and it also, it also provided for opportunities that I was able to explain why I didn't speak that way. So children and teens, it's not cool. It can make you look silly, actually, to speak that way. And you, that is one huge way, even us adults, that we can stand out in the crowd and our friends and those people that are around us. And it opens up opportunities for us to share Christ with others. It allowed for me to have that. that that's just one little example of, of being able to, to stand out. So are you well spoken of? Because you serve Christ unashamedful, are you well spoken of? Are you unashamed of Christ when it comes out to being in the public? It's not hard to do that here amongst other believers. In public, though, are you unashamed of Christ as well? Do you stand out in that way? And then overall, as you live amongst the world, are you well spoken of? The last one is long. Instead of worrying about the numbers, ask God how you can grow in faith and then in turn help others grow in their faith. So for those of you who might be writing this down, instead of worrying about the numbers, ask God how you can grow in faith and then in turn help others grow in their faith. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. First John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Are you growing in your faith? We are in this together. Stay in the word. Grow in your faith and help others grow in theirs as well. As I mentioned earlier, this virus has hindered that ability for many to be, other, to be able to help others. Uh, but we know there are still many ways to help others without meeting personally. If you're not comfortable meeting with someone personally, there is a phone, there is text, there is email. There are ways that you can contact and encourage and help others grow in Christ. I know many sit there, and I've done this many times too. You sit there and think, well, no one has contacted me. Well, who have you contacted? Don't play that game. You be the one that initiates the contact. You be the one that goes and finds someone that you can encourage, that you can help grow in their faith. You be the example. You be the encouragement. Don't wait on someone else to do it. Don't wait on leadership to do it. Don't wait on your pastors to do it. You be the one that does it. You are part of this church. You are a part of the body of Christ. He has called you to do these things as well. As he has called me. Honestly, I had one more thing on here. I'd actually typed in the word one, like 
and then I forgot what I was going to type. And I got up here thinking, well, if God wants me to say it, I'll say it. And if I don't remember, it ain't, it's not supposed to be here. I don't remember. <laughs> so it's not supposed to be part of this sermon. So we will finish with those three things. That's how it is. And I was okay with that. I will say them again. Are you well spoken of? No, that was not my first one. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you well spoken of? And instead of worrying about the numbers, ask God how you can grow in faith and in turn help others grow in their faith. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks again for this day. Lord, it is because of you that we are able to even be here and to worship you and praise you in these ways. Lord, as we finish up the service, I pray that we would continue to uh, ponder on these things and meditate on these things on your word as we sing, as we continue to hear, uh, even as Vince plays uh, the music as well. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would grow. Lord, I want us so bad to grow in our faith and to come out stronger on the other side of things. And Lord, you have set it up that we can do that. We have others that we can rely on. We have you ultimately that we can re rely on and lean on. And so we give you thanks and we praise you for that. And Lord, please give us the courage to stand out in front of others in a way that we can be a wonderful example and a wonderful testimony of who you are. Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.